Man, it's great to have you guys here and uh, great to be worshiping with you. We are launching a new sermon series today, launching a series called The Two Become One. Two Become One. We're going to be talking through marriage, biblical marriage, over the next six or seven weeks here, all right? And uh, excited to be doing that. Please hear me on this. That doesn't mean, oh, hang on, I'm not married, I'm checking out. And uh, so, for the record, if you're thinking you may ever get married, if you're on the cusp of getting married, you're engaged. If you currently are married, if you've been married for a significant period of time, this message is for you. In fact, if you know anyone that's married, this passage and messages are for you. And why is that? Well, because it turns out marriage is everywhere and the world seems to want to have a lot to say about it. And we better know what we're talking about as we walk with friends through tough times, as we pray for people, as we work on our own marriages, as we teach into our homes. And let's make sure we've got God's view on this thing called marriage. It is one of the uh, most, well, I'll say it this way, it is probably the second largest experience you will go through that will transform you. And the first largest is parenting. And you put those two together, and it shapes your soul. And it takes a lot of uh, setting down self and learning where it was all about you and you didn't think it was. And, and uh, marriage, man, it's a lot to be wrestled through and worked through biblically that God might be honored and that we might be growing in him. And, and so uh, I'll just say this. Uh, too many people misunderstand marriage, and they think it goes like this. Marriage, can't wait. I've fallen in love. I've got these magic feelings now, and I don't know when they came, and I don't know how long they're going to last, but while they're here, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to get married. It's uh, this falling in love moment, or, and man, nothing wrong with that. I'm great that you have feelings for that person, but uh, not the reason for getting married. There's much more than that. And uh, man, it's just all about my comfort. I can't wait to get married so I can finally be at ease and relaxed in this world, and I can feel cared for or protected or whatever it might be. And, and uh, all too often we go for a very me-centered solution, which is why people then come to a me-centered solution on when to end the marriage, all right? And we need to get a very God-centered solution to what he's talking about when the two become one. Let's make sure we grasp this from top to bottom. Trust me, it's going to be deeply applicable in your life no matter where you stand, all right? No matter where you're at with marriage right now, huge. And uh, so let's do this. Let's dive into Genesis chapter 2 today. We're going to be talking about the purpose of marriage. Genesis 2, we got the ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands, so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. Keep it up. They'll get one to you there. Genesis 2, starting in verse 18, the purpose of marriage. And so here's... Uh, Three points to marriage, three purpose statements to marriage that God reveals in Genesis 2. The first one, insight. Recognize the intentionality of God's design. Insight. Recognize the intentionality of God's design. And uh, man, we have a God who is an awesome creator God, and he has purpose. He does have intent. And uh, let's make sure we see it even when we're looking into the marriage. It says here, then the Lord God said... It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
And so we're picking up the story of creation here where there's been uh, light created. There's been the general creation of heaven separated and morning and evening. And there's been animals and there's man. And so we're picking it up right now with man created animals around. And, and God's got a statement to make. The Lord God said. And uh, Genesis 1 and 2 is chocked full of then the Lord said. Right? And, uh, and the Lord said... Let there be light, and there was light, right? The power of God's word. He speaks, and it is. And uh, God here is proclaiming forth, and he's making a statement. He says, then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. It's not good. That should be a big deal moment. We need to stop and go, whoa, hang on. Did God just create and say, that's terrible? That's what it sounds like. You just, that's not good. And uh, we need to make sure we understand what's happening here. God is saying, we're in progress and I'm not done yet. And the half-baked solution is not good. It's when it's completely good. That's when we declare very good, all right? And so God's got a statement he's making here. And all too often, we look in in the midst of God's handiwork being done, even in our own lives, and we declare not good. But the reality is God's in progress. And he's doing something in our lives. Sometimes he even uses broken heartaches in our lives to bring us along a path. And be careful. Don't declare what God is doing in you to be not very good when you're looking in the moment and God is looking at the end point he's taking you to. Okay? And a huge deal. And it really changes our approach to relationship. It changes our approach to suffering even. And in this case, Adam is standing in a world with out a partner in, God says, not very good, not good for him to be alone. And uh, we see that he's working in the garden. He's got things to do, right? He's been given work. And uh, just a little moment here. We have been designed for work. And so for those of you who are like, I don't like to work much. And uh, we need to get over that one. Let's figure out why. There's a number of reasons it could be going on. I'm not going to go through them right here, but work, man. We have been designed to put our all into glorifying God as we step into those things we're called to. Work hard and heartily as unto the Lord. And he was given a garden to be working on and animals around and a God to have relationship with. And that's not enough. And uh, God's like, I'm just telling you, I've got a bigger plan than that. Hang on. All right? And so he said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay? And we have to be very careful with this. I will make him a helper. And that word in the English has probably been butchered uh, in a way that makes it hard to hear this passage. The word helper has started to become something that means I don't really need you. I could accomplish it on my own, but you can stand next to me if you'd like. Right? And uh, that is not at all what this passage means. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called helper. Right? God Almighty. And uh, we better make sure we grasp what he means by it. It means actually a completing, a fulfilling. Some of you are like, I knew Jerry Maguire was right. <laughs> you complete me. And uh, I'm just saying that there's a part of that he may be actually sort of accurate in. And then there's part where he's definitely missing something. But 
there's a part of it that he's accurate on. And it's, look, man, God's got some things he's doing in me. And there's a completion that's going on as I get partnered together. And a, a helper, someone who grasps and has insight and is coming alongside and in some ways completing who I am. And uh, yes, this helper, it does mean partnership. It does mean completion. Those actually are implied in the original language word. And then notice it says, fit for him. Picture like puzzle pieces coming together, right? There's a, just an exactness to the design. It wasn't an approximation and a throwdown. The exactness of bringing together male and female. And uh, huge deal. God's got a plan. And uh, it says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And we'll talk more about this uh, helper fit for. Some of your passages say helper suitable, right? We'll talk more about that in upcoming weeks and what that means and how this works together and what it does not mean, all right? But there is key roles that we have to play. And you can see headship being talked about here with Adam, and you can see a partnership in this coming with the spouse that's coming. It says, now, God's about ready to seemingly change the topic. Out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every um, bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Like, what is this, a topic change? What's going on? And uh, why is he now talking about this? And we're going to see in just a little bit here what unfolds. So I'm just going to keep reading for a second. Um, it says, now out of the ground he brought these ones, the, every beast and every bird, right? He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Parents, have you ever asked your kids to name the pet? You're like, why don't you name them? And then they pick a name and you're like, do you have any other ideas? <laughs> right? And let's work on that a little more. And uh, it literally says here, whatever he named them, that was the name. I'm not suggesting you do that in your home with the three-year-old. Adam had a little more skill set than that. You might want to wing it and see how that goes for you. And I'm great with that. But uh, that was the role he had here. He's like, let's walk through this together. And I'm not just going to be in charge and do it all. I want you to come along with me. With real work comes real responsibility. You hearing that? And uh, you may even need to be teaching that into your home to your kids. And uh, you may be a boss at work and you need to be sharing that out at work as well. Hey man, with real work comes real responsibility. And he did lay this before Adam and allow him the opportunity to name the animals, whatever he would call them. And a uh, huge deal. And uh, all right. It says, Adam had an issue. It says, whatever he would call the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. See, God had something going on here. He wasn't just like, hey, I don't know. You want something to do? You want to give the animals names? Like, that's not what was going on. He was like, let me also teach you what I'm doing. I'm going to walk before you all of my creation. And as I'm walking them before and we're interacting together and you're naming, you're also going to notice that there's something not quite like you. Genesis 1 talks about man being made in God's image. That's not true of any other creature. 
And he's going to be noticing that. He's going to be sensing. There's these animals and they have partnership and they're together, and they're, but there's something different than me. And, and I'm isolated away. And God's teaching Adam. Yeah, God declared, it's not good that he be alone. He's like, now let's make sure Adam gets that. And so he begins to walk the animals past him and has them name them and they're interacting together as they're taking part in that. But he's helping Adam to see there's a bigger plan here, man. There's a bigger plan here. And uh, it says, and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name by the end of it. That was, he did not find a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the the man. So uh, in this moment, we have the first anesthesiologist, right? And so for those of you who are in the doctor world, you're taking after God at some level there. And a first anesthesiologist, and it's this kind of deep sleep just like when you go under for surgery and you wake up and it feels like it's been 0.1 seconds and it's been hours and hours and you're now coming out groggy awake and massive things have been done that you did not feel, or notice, or remember. Praise God right? And uh, that's the kind of deep sleep as he now goes in with not only the first anesthesiologist move, but now the first surgical move. And while he slept, he took out one of his ribs. That could not have felt good. If you were awake, that would have been a bad moment, right? And so the sleep thing, a necessary moment, and it says he took out one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. First surgery done. The rib is removed. So Adam... Now underneath the, underneath the first uh, put to sleep, also underneath the first surgery, and now check out what comes next. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. See, if you watch through Genesis 1, Adam is created at the end point. And so all the miracles that God is speaking into creation have been done before him. And so as he looks across creation, he is seeing what God has done, but he hasn't seen the miracle unfold. And now in this moment, he actually goes into surgery, comes out, sees the rib, and now God speaks into existence from the rib, and he sees woman made right before him. First miracle done in front of mankind. And uh, Adam was there for it. Huge deal. It says, so the Lord God had him in a deep sleep. He took his rib. He closed it up. He took that rib. He made the woman and brought her to the man. So now he brings woman to man. He's showing the output of the first miracle. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. See, it gives you an insight as to what he was thinking the whole time the animals are being walked in front of him. At last! Now we're talking, man! Like I was seeing all these animals and they got long necks and they got huge legs and they're walking on four feet and they've got huge long arms and, they're, and I don't see the image of God stamped in and I'm like, this is great, God. Um, orangutan! Now what? Let's move on. I don't feel the real comfort here. And, right? There's a moving through and naming and partnering with God, but along the way, he finally realizes, dude, I am alone in this thing. 
at last, I am not. And uh, God has taught him. Isn't this how God works with us a lot of times? God knows it. God sees it. So he's going to help walk us through the experience so that we get it. And uh, Adam declaring what God was declaring. And it wasn't good for me to be alone. And now, now I see. And I love this. And this I get. All right. He says this at last. A huge declaration, a huge celebration in many regards. And um, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He says, I'm going to call her woman because she came from man. Now remember, man was taken from the dust of the earth and formed. Woman was not taken from the dust of the earth and just formed. That would have pitted two people side by side without some level of coming from and partnership and headship resolved. So instead, he took man from the dust and then from man takes his DNA, his body, and makes woman. And from is now side-by-side partnership, all right? Huge deal in the way God's creating. Very subtle, very big deal. And uh, all right. So I love going to festivals, parties. In this area, there's a ton of festivals in the area. Um, Morton Pumpkin Festival is a big one. That ends up being a common one. The Cherry Festival, the Turkey Festival, right? Love going to these different ones. We end up running into a ton of harvest people along the way. You get to see people. You get to talk with people. There is awesome food, and there's, there's a ton of people to laugh with and hear story about, and I have a blast doing them, especially in the fall. The Pumpkin Festival probably hits at just the right time for me. I love the fall temperatures, so just as it's getting a little cooler out and you're hanging outside and now a bunch of people rallying together and just a fun time. I try to get out for every night of that and be able to uh, run into as many people as I can. And, and uh, the pumpkin parade, the festival parade at the end of it. And, uh, you know, it's true small town style, right? So you got the tractors, you get the organizations represented, you get the people who win the competitions and, and some of those pieces in there as well. Love all that. Uh, just different organizations coming along, the bands. and the, But really the kids don't care anything about that. Candy right? That's what matters, man. And you can feel the ebb and flow of energy in the parade as candy gets whipped out and the hubbub and they come peeling off the curbs and they're running all over the place grabbing stuff before the next float type group comes through and they get back to the curb and sit down and, and uh, have a great time doing that stuff. And my wife and I actually, we listen specifically for the sound of band music, because right, our daughter's in the band. She plays in the high school band, and, and so we listen for that. We're trying to get a picture of it. Of course, every year we're exactly in the spot where the band stops playing. So all I have is a picture of her marching every year. Like, I don't know. Total loser dad. So I start running up and down the sidewalk trying to get pictures or video of them making some level of music and playing along the way with it. Love hearing the band play with it. And um, that's the big deal for us. Each family has their thing they're looking for along the way, right? And uh, just so you know, that's what was going on here. This was the parade of creation walked before Adam. God is taking every single thing he's made and walked them before Adam and saying, check it out, and what do you think? And do you have a name for this? And how do you want to participate in? And now the parade is going on, and the last float coming in has Eve. 
That's the giant celebration. That's where he's like, now that's what I've been waiting for, man. This parade was fine and all of it was good, but here we go. Partnership, purpose, and, and togetherness. And she shares what I share. And there's this, this idea of God expressed in us. And, and we're oneness already as she has come from me. And huge deal. Everybody just say it's a huge deal. It is. It's a huge deal. And uh, man, I'm just telling you, the intent of marriage is purposeful. It reflects headship. It reflects partnership. It reflects a purpose that God is doing in the midst of this world, human with human, and it's something unique. There is a helper fit for design that's going on. Do you believe that? See, the world wants to take that and throw it on the ground. There isn't a purpose other than just relating. And we could redefine it and we can recall it other things and we can call other people to the game and we can shift the whole value of marriage around and call it something else and you're going to have a real problem with that biblically when you try to walk through and see the intent that God is doing and the point of what he's designing and how there is a coming together. And if you try to walk away from that, which this world is trying to do real hard right now, the answer is, you can't do that and stay true to what God is trying to accomplish. That's where we're at. Man, purpose in marriage. Be very careful that you see every unique move that God did in this creation moment as he's calling together from man comes woman and this tying together of partnership, declaring it good that they partner together, this working together, this longing for and working together in that huge deal. All right, that is the first thing we need to get on marriage. There is an intent God has and there is a design. Don't walk away from it, all right? It is designed for one man, one woman, under God. The end. All right, number two, partnership. Healthy marriage involves leaving of parents, and I put the word here, cleaving to your spouse. So many of us have heard this used, the leave and cleave kind of statement, right? So I put it here. Uh, that's not the words used in the ESV, but so healthy marriage involves a leaving of parents and a cleaving to your spouse. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. It says, therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, all right, what's the therefore, therefore? If you haven't been with us for a while or it's uh, maybe your first few weeks, that's what we say. You're like, that's weird. That's what we say. And why do we say that? Because it's a connecting word that has purpose. It's saying because of everything that just came before, here's what's going on now. And uh, because of what I just told you about this creation with purpose and intent and design, here's some things that need to take place. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Who is doing the leaving here? What it says. Who's leaving? Man. Man's doing the leaving, all right? So men, our job is not to get married and bring them back to mom and dad's house to live. <laughs> Clear enough? Some of the parents in here are like, amen. <laughs> and uh, look, man, our job is to step out from underneath the headship of our parents 
to step over and create a new headship and a new home where we are calling our spouse alongside of us to work together as a partner and we together make a new home. And this partnership is out from underneath mom and dad. There is still an honor and a respect to mom and dad, but they do not stand in between. You are holding fast, it says, to them. Picture standing side by side, pulling them in close, absolutely no room between you and your spouse. You and your spouse are one now. That's what it looks like. And uh, any advice or counsel that comes, comes to the both of you, okay? Uh, We'll talk about that in just a second here. It says, you shall leave your father and mother and hold fast to your wife. Literally cling, uh, cleave, if you want to say that. I'm just going to say this. We were at a wedding a number of years ago, And the guy announced as he was doing the message, he said, this is the first message I've ever preached. That's usually a bad moment at a wedding, just so you know. (laughs) And he's like, so I read this passage and I see cleave. And when I hear of the word cleave, I think of a meat cleaver. (laughs) Dude, that is not what this means. Okay, so... Get that out of your mind. I know it's now stuck there. So just think of that humorously. It is not meant to divide and conquer, okay? It does mean to cling together, to hold on to, to make one. In fact, it says it right after it. And uh, the two shall become one flesh. This is where we got the title of the series from, right? The two become one. And the two shall become one flesh. This doesn't just mean physically. This doesn't just mean sexually. This means in every way. Man, there is a sharedness. There's a sharing of emotion and passion and purpose and direction. And we are like one, man. There is such unity. And everybody just say unity. Unity. That's what marriage is supposed to bring. Unity. That's what marriage is supposed to bring. May we wrestle towards that end. Not just, I get my way, I get comfort, but I work together with my partner heading towards unity. And a huge deal. Um, I'm just going to say this, to become one flesh, yes, unity. Uh, I'll say it this way. Any advice given, like I said before, is given to the both of you. Here's a great suggestion of a phrase. Thank you for your input. We now are going to go prayerfully consider which way we should go with this. And we together have to decide together where we're headed here. Do you hear what was just said? It's not coming home and going, hey, dad said we got to go this way. This is the way we're going now, man. My mom was pressing in. We have to move and right? Lisa, my friend at work, she told me that we should. And so that's not clinging. That's putting a big gap in between and inviting anybody into the middle who would like to have an opinion. That's a problem, Okay. Real relationship, real togetherness, it's pulling in tight. Yes, that even includes biblical counsel. You're coming in and you're talking to us as biblical counselors. And by the way, along the way in the marriage series here, if there's something you need to be talking through, we would love to be talking with the both of you. Are you hearing me on that? Marriage counseling is with the two together. And the advice and counsel comes to the two together as they lock side by side and they need to decide together where they're headed. All right? And uh, yes, even in biblical counsel. All right? And uh, make sure you handle that well. Okay? And the two become one flesh. 
it says, uh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And uh, yes, this does speak to physically. It speaks to a lot more. They were living transparently. There was no sin. There was no hiding. There was no manipulating. There was no shame. They were absolutely real with each other all the time. That's the intent of marriage. All right? And all too often we start controlling and manipulating and demanding and commanding and making it be a way for me so that they give. And man, we're not getting the unity game now. We're going to call it unity, but really it's control. And then when both sides are controlling, the distance is a little bit, makes it easy for a third party to step in the middle. Advice gets given very innocently, and bam, the whole thing blows up. Be very careful. God's design is keeping them side by side, fully transparent, no shame. If there is a moment of shame right now in your marriage, let's handle it quickly. Spending some time together apologizing, confessing, getting things real as quick as we can. And uh, let's get that thing moving forward, okay? That's where God's got it designed to be. Uh, This idea of coming together as one. Uh, I was trying to think, what's the best illustration I could use for it? So here we go. This is the lamest illustration I've ever given, but here we go. This is a book called Love You Forever. Every mom who's got a little kid knows it. Isn't it such a tender book? You'll see in a little bit what I think of it. What? <laughs> and, uh, right, so we read this to our kids all the time, and I'm just going to read a few pages to you. Here we go. A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I will not sing. She sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And this little child grows up, two years old, problems and situations, and mom spends some time with, and and in fact, it says at the end, but at that night, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed. Have you ever tried to keep the child sleeping, right? Looked over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she'd pick him up. Don't, Don't do that. And rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And that little one grows up to be a nine-year-old and then a teenager getting into trouble here and there. And um, it says here, let me get to the right one. The boy grew, teenager. But at that nighttime, when that teenager was asleep... The mother opened the door to his room, (laughs) crawled across the floor, (laughs) looked over the side of the bed. If he was really asleep, he picked up that, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him (laughs) back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living. I'll pay for your counseling. No. Um, A teenager exits the house and moves into another home. But sometimes on dark nights, mother got in her car 
and drove across town. Everybody say, that's stalking. <laughs> all right? And uh, if all the lights in her son's house were out, she would open his bedroom window, <laughs> crawl across the floor. Everybody say, that's breaking and entering. <laughs> all right? And uh, looked up over the side of the bed, and if that great big man was really asleep, she'd pick him up and rock him back and forth, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she'd sing, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm in prison, my baby, you'll be home. <laughs> and uh, the tender of it as mom gets older and he does take care of her and hold her and rock her, and actually it gets kind of tender at that point, and then he's got a little child that he takes care of. Can we just say the problem that the world has with love and mom's love for kid, it goes like this. Just as I loved them when they were one or two, so I will love them for forever. And my two-year-old love for them will always be what it is. For the record, man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. There is a very different relationship that happens between mom and dad and their kid as they grow up. And that's a good thing. Everybody say, that's a good thing. Good. Done with that book. All right. <laughs> so a mom and dad get a phone call. And uh, their daughter, who had been married recently, is crying and wants to talk to dad. Can I please talk with dad? And uh, so mom gets dad on the line and uh, hands it over. And dad starts talking to her. She goes in the other room and climbs into bed and is just praying. And uh, dad starts talking on the phone in a soft whisper. You can't really tell what's being said. And he finally gets things resolved and he hangs up. He comes in the bedroom, climbs in the bed, turns off the light. And mom's like, <laughs> what happened? Uh, they had a fight. What did she say? Well, she said she wanted to come home. What did you say? I told her she was home. Now turn around and go back in and talk to your husband and work this out. You know how to do that. We've done that in our home. And if you have a struggle in working it out, I'm more than happy to help with that. But you need to work out the relationship. That's marriage. All right? Dad prayed with her and hung up and came to bed. That's the role of a parent into a grown marriage. All right? We help them become one. And uh, trust me, I hear the pain of it, and we've got now a girl in college and a girl in high school, and, and I understand the moments where you're like, I would rather just keep remembering when they were this age and do this with them, and it was so much easier when, and, but I'm telling you, our job is to help them grow up in Christ. And now if you're the one who's exiting and coming out from underneath your parents, your job is to grow up in Christ as you together become one. The two become one. Most marriage problems stop when that battle cry becomes the primary. All right? We start working with each other and for each other that God might get the greater glory. That's where we need to head. Simple question. Do you know someone who's having marriage struggles where you might need to be praying for them specifically this topic. Maybe they're even asking for some input and you will not step in between 
And you will ask them to stand together as you say, look, I just want you guys to prayerfully consider this as a couple, you are one, and help them out. Maybe you're the parents of, and you really know a lot of information about this. And uh, be careful. Help them wisely work that out. Don't control it to a completion. That just gets behavior modified. You want their heart grown, okay? Maybe it's your marriage that's sideways. Time to get together with each other and say, ready? I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me for doing this specific thing? I love you, and I want us to be unified. I want oneness. Will you forgive me? Time to work that out. Now, that's marriage. It's tough. It takes me setting down my sin. It takes me loving the person next to me, even when I've been sinned against. And it takes me not running from the thing and trying to run somewhere else and have somebody mollycoddle me. It's about me being in the thing right there with them, taking care of it. That's marriage. And all of God's people said, all right, the purpose of marriage. See God's design and intent. Grasp the partnership piece and get after it. Number three now, we're gonna turn over to Revelation 19, verses six through eight, and close this here with another statement. Model, look forward to our marriage uh, to the almighty king. Look forward to our marriage modeling the almighty king. All right, huge deal as we get after this modeling. And uh, it's a big deal moment for us to make much of Jesus Christ. And uh, Revelation 19, uh, we're gonna jump there. Just so you realize this, Genesis chapter two, marriage comes in. Bookend on the other side of the Bible. Revelation chapter 19, marriage comes back in. Marriage is about the whole of it, man. Marriage across the whole of Scripture is the point, and we need to get this. Here we go. It says, uh, starting in verse 6, Then I, this is John writing this, and he's having a vision piece. He's walked through the first 18 chapters of Revelation. The tribulation is coming to a close. Christ is about ready to return. John says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of of mighty peals of thunder. He heard voices euphorically celebrating and lifting up. It sounded like the waterfalls, like Niagara Falls, pouring off and crashing down, thundering. He hears this level of celebration. He hears the peals of thunder as people are applauding, cheering, screaming out. This thunderous statement of awesome going on. What is it that's going on? It says... As he heard those things crying out, hallelujah, literally praise to Yahweh. That's what that word means. Hallelujah. And then Yah, like Yahweh. Praise to Yahweh. Celebrate the God who is Lord and King, right? That's what it means. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. Here we go. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now get this picture. In the end, the image we're given is marriage. And the bride is the church. 
And the groom is Jesus Christ. And the idea of his headship coming over the church fully with high authority. It is a model from before, right? We have this thing happening between man and woman. And yes, there's partnership. And on a local level, we have value relationally with each other. But more than that, we now see not just physically how to work together, but we see what Christ is doing spiritually with all of us, marriage this massive celebration taking place as Jesus Christ is taking his bride, you and me, if you trust in Christ as your savior, clothing her in white. Picture every wedding you've ever been at. And as she enters at the back, what's the first thing that happens? Everyone stands in honor, right? And she is wearing white. What white is she clothed with? Look what it says right at the end of that verse 8 there. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Man, a big part of our works is that it's a reflection of God changing us from the inside out, heart transformed along the way. And yes, our physical marriage being an aspect of what's helping that happen. As we get into a battle with our spouse, as we're wrestling with what it looks like to parent in the home, as we're trying to figure out how to get along, and it teaches me what to let go of, and God starts leaning in in that area, his spirit, it says, making the change. Please hear this. You will never make that change yourself. Never. Holy Spirit's glory pouring over you changes you. And as you worship him and say, I get what I need to change, I see how I'm hurting my wife. Lord, teach me in this area. Pour over me in this area. May I be shaped to look more like you. That righteous clothing on you is the stuff that God has done in you. And it's starting to reveal out your awesomeness. And check this, everyone standing in awe? Well, it's not the rest of us. We're part of the bride. It's angelic hosts. The angels standing along in awe of the work God has done in humanity that had the image of God stamped, but they drifted away. And Christ pulled them back. He changed them from the inside out. And they are now glorified, perfected, clothed in righteousness. The very deeds that happen because of the Spirit pouring on them. I'm telling you this. We need to get this. The next step that happens after this is Christ mounts the white horse and comes down for victory. That's scripture, man. Marriage front to back all over it. And as you are working in the marriage with your spouse, know this. It's a model of Christ and him with the church. And we better make it that. All too often we make it nothing more than a feel-good method how can I get after feeling a little better about me today? And then we lean on our spouse. Man, that is not marriage. Everybody say not marriage. What is marriage? Well, we're going to talk about it over the next three weeks as we break this oneness down. The oneness spiritually and the oneness relationally and the oneness even physically, intimately. And we break all that down and talk it out. What does it look like that Christ is marrying us. And God, may we model that down into our homes, reflecting the glory of what you're going to do. Marriage is a perfecting. 
institution. God uses it to grow us up to look more like him. And in the end, he's using marriage to bring us home to be with him for all eternity. Praise be to God. Amen. I'm just telling you, we do not get the purpose of marriage until we get that it is bookends on Scripture and the whole in between that God is using to work with us. Why is it wrong to try to take marriage and pull it away from Scripture and make it whatever you want for a feel-good moment? Because it's missing the type that God was trying to use of it, right? A literary term, typology. He's trying to show us what Christ is doing in us. Simple question. Are you in with Christ being celebrated and lifted up? Are you in with Christ being glorified as the bride who is awesome, doing a miracle work in us, nothing we could do, everything he's doing? That's my God. Real answer now. Are you in? It is time for us to make much of Christ. And man, marriage, it's a functional, practical, participating, partnering piece that helps us work together and sharpen each other that God might be glorified. That's the purpose of marriage.